Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for American meat delivered for a discount. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, guys, so I heard you on Instagram when I asked, what do you guys want to talk about today? You all are feeling similar to how I'm feeling. My brain is kind of fried right now with all of the information we've been taking in, all of the arguments that we have been forming and rebutting since Friday. I mean, it's just been a nonstop onslaught of stuff of propaganda, of things that we have to rebut and refute and break down. And I feel like I just haven't allowed my mind for very long to have a break from that. And we all need a break. We're going to talk about uh, substantive stuff today. We're going to talk a little bit about that subject, but we are going to kind of shift gears a little bit. It's going to be kind of a a lighter episode. There are going to be some lighter things that we talk about. We're going to talk about Chris Pratt, his interview with Men's Health, and how he says, oh, religion is oppressive, and I'm not a religious person. I thought that he had a really interesting interview. We're going to look at that. I'm also going to just encourage you and give you some positivity and some optimism, some reminders to rejoice and to be glad that this is the day that the Lord has made. And even though you are exhausted and overwhelmed and burdened by all of the lies that the people around you seem to be believing, in particular when it comes to Roe and Dobbs and abortion, there is every reason to be grateful, to be light, to be joyful. And I'm also going to start out by telling you about something that has nothing to do with the news, nothing to do with culture, just to kind of start us on that light note. And that is the Backstreet Boys, because I realized this morning that I have not had the opportunity to tell you guys about the Backstreet Boys concert that I went to. So I'll start there, and then I'll give you some encouragement, just a reminder of where we are and why we can be happy, why we can be grateful, why we have every reason to be courageous and, and confident in this so-called culture war that's really a spiritual war. And then we'll talk about the whole uh, Chris Pratt thing, which I really think is interesting. And there are a lot of theological points that I want to make in all of this. I don't know if I have a theological point to make when it comes to seeing the Backstreet Boys concert. Maybe I'll be able to come up with one. But let me just tell you about that experience. So if you don't know, which if you've read my book and if if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know that I grew up as the biggest Backstreet Boys fan to ever exist. Now I'm talking like eight, nine, 10 years old. I wasn't allowed to listen to Britney Spears. I wasn't allowed to listen to Christina Aguilera. And when you look back at some of their album covers, like it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's kind of weird when you think about it, that eight and nine-year-old girls were listening to Christina Aguilera. I mean, look at what she was wearing and what she was singing about in some of those songs. But to be perfectly fair, when I listened to some of the songs that the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and 98 Degrees were singing back then, they weren't morally that much better. They may not have been quite as sexual, but they weren't like like morally good, something that an eight and nine-year-old should be listening to. However, I was listening to them. I had a Backstreet Boys nightgown. I had, I think, three or four Backstreet Boys 
posters in my room. I had Backstreet Boys t-shirts. I used to sit in our game room and I used to listen to the black and blue CD and cry thinking about the possibility of never meeting the Backstreet Boys. That was at that point in my life at eight years old, like the worst thing that I could possibly think of happening to me, not meeting the Backstreet Boys. I used to think about what I would wear if I went to a Backstreet Boys concert, like would I want to wear something like super cute so that they would notice me out in the crowd and be like, wow, that's an awesome looking person out there. Or would I want to wear a Backstreet Boys shirt so they know that I'm a really big fan of them. And just so you know, 20 plus years later, I did decide to wear a Backstreet Boys t-shirt this time. Um, I ordered one off of, I don't remember where I ordered it, but it was like a retro Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Went to a Backstreet Boys concert with two of my friends who also were fans of Backstreet Boys growing up. And it was it was very strange. Like the experience was strange. On the one hand, surreal, actually seeing them in person, waiting a couple of decades to actually do that. Because even though I was allowed to listen to them when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to go to a Backstreet Boys concert, which was honestly probably a good thing, considering some of what I am about to say in a minute. But first, so it was cool seeing them, very surreal seeing them in person. We had really good seats. And so we were pretty up close. Also kind of strange because like the oldest member of the Backstreet Boys is 50 years old. I'm 30 years old. Technically, like that person could be my father, a young father, but a father. So kind of strange seeing people that age up there like moving around and dancing and singing songs about like breakups and heartbreak when really all of them have been married for a long time which by the way, kudos to them. I think all of them have been married to the same woman for a long time and have kids and honestly seem like pretty wholesome in their personal lives. And that's cool. A little odd seeing them though, like dance up there and like grabbing their crotches and doing like a pelvic thrust. Like that was a little weird. And some of the jokes that they were making about like, taking their clothes off or like changing backstage. I think AJ at one point talked about like girls throwing their underwear and bras on stage. And I was like, wow, I'm really glad that my parents <laughs> didn't allow me to go to this concert when I was young. And like, that was weird, right? Because like they're all married and they have kids and they're old and who really wants to hear or see them doing any of that? I don't really know. All of that said, though, I was extremely impressed by their ability to still sing really well and their ability to dance and to move around. I mean, that's hard to do night after night, especially when you are that age. Some of them are in their early 40s, so I'm not saying that is old or super old or anything, but it is an older age than being like 16 when you have a lot more stamina. So I was impressed by that. And they were singing one song that I didn't even realize I knew every word to. Let's see. Can I can I think of it what it is? It's that one about I think it's about um cheating where they're like my battery is low. So you know, I'm going to a place nearby. Got to go. I had no idea that I knew every single word to that song that I probably haven't heard since like 2001, and yet I did. I was like singing it, belting it, and I just thought about the fact that wow, I had no idea what this was talking about when I was 8 or 9 years old. Why was I listening to this. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that it was going over my head. The other slight critique that I have is that they 
did not play enough of the hits. Like they played a lot of their new stuff, which I understand you're pushing a new album. I get it. And you're proud of the work that you're doing. You're proud of the songs that you're writing. So I understand wanting to play some new stuff and pushing that new album. I think it's called DNA. But come on, like we know why people go to a Backstreet Boys concert. You go to a Backstreet Boys concert for the same reason some people go to like a Rolling Stones concert. You're not there to hear the new music. You're not there to hear the new stuff at all. You are there to scream like a banshee when they play I Want It That Way. That is why you are there to sing along. You don't want to hear the new stuff. You don't want to hear the new slow ballads or anything like that. You want to hear the stuff that they played 25 years ago. And so that was my only beef as much as I loved them and thought that they put on a great concert and I was like really appreciative of their enthusiasm despite them having done this for so long I'm sure it can be tiring and sometimes boring they were really kind and like hospitable but man play the hits play the hits there weren't enough hits played and I was sad about that but it was an amazing experience still a Backstreet Boys fan if you don't know the story that I wrote about in my book that I've talked about several times I was such a big Backstreet Boys fan I got sealants on my teeth um, in, you know, at the dentist when I was probably eight or nine. And I remember the hygienist telling me, oh, yeah, we're putting invisible in sync stickers on on your teeth. And I was like, in sync? I am a Backstreet Boys fan. And she was like, oh, oh, I meant Backstreet Boys. I meant Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, invisible stickers on your teeth. And I was so excited about that. It did not occur to me until I was probably 15 years old that she was lying to me. Like, it really didn't occur to me. It's not like I had been thinking about it forever and just thought that it was true. But it really didn't occur to me until I woke up one morning when I was a teenager and was like, I really don't have invisible stickers on my teeth. I think I spent many a morning when I was eight, nine, ten years old trying to see those invisible Backstreet Boys stickers on my molars. And I was never able to succeed in that. So anyway long history of being a Backstreet Boys fan. If you have the opportunity to go to a Backstreet Boys concert, I encourage you to do so. Um, It was super fun and just reminders of of a different era, a different era in American history when the worst thing that your parents had to worry about was you hearing AJ from the Backstreet Boys say, oh my God, we're back again. Now we have to worry about a lot more than that. It's a lot more complicated. Anyway, okay, that, I just wanted to tell you that experience. I know you guys are excited for me because you know what a big BSB fan. Sam uh, Samuel Say, who has been on this show several times, I love him. He is awesome. Him and his wife are fantastic. He is also a huge Backstreet Boys fan. I think that we could have some kind of like head-to-head competition um, trying to figure out who is actually the bigger BSB fan. All right, before we get into a little more serious stuff, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. I am super excited to tell you about this sponsor. I've told you about them before, but like they are so important and they are a service that I want every single conservative, every single conservative Christian to use. And it is called Public SQ. So right now you guys know There's a long list of corporations who are now paying for their employees to travel out of state if they live in a state where they are restricting abortion, travel out of state to get an abortion. And they admitted, by the way, on MSNBC that, oh, it's not just because of their political philosophy. 
at these companies, but it's also cost effective for them. It is also very efficient for them. It's more affordable for them to pay for their female employees to kill their child than to pay for parental leave or to pay for um, adoption. Now, some companies do cover adoption costs, at least to a certain point in these companies, but uh, a lot a lot don't. Um, and so they're willing to pay for abortion because it's cheaper for them. And of course, the mom can just keep working and be a good little obedient drone. It's really, really disgusting. If you don't want to support companies that are doing that, if that's not how you want to use your dollars, then you need public S. Q. It is the largest network of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses and consumers our nation has ever seen. Public SQ is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms or a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also this interactive, sensor-free community group that you can join where you can connect with other local members. Download the Public SQ app from the Apple Store or Google Play. Create an account. Begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. Go to Public SQ in your app store. That's Public SQ. All right. So I want to give you guys just some encouragement because... I hear you. You are overwhelmed. Isn't it amazing? Like, isn't that what Satan does when there is a clear victory, when something um, is achieved for the side of goodness and justice and righteousness? Isn't it just like Satan to try to steal the joy from that, to try to hide the light of that? And I think that's what a lot of you have felt. This is a historic victory. The overruling of Roe v. Wade is something that Christians that pro-lifers have been working toward for 50 years. If you want more information on this, please go listen to yesterday's episode. Go listen to Monday's episode. We talk about what is actually in the ruling, what is actually in uh, these bills that are banning or restricting abortion. Does it restrict the treatment of ectopic pregnancies or miscarriages? The answer is no. But we talk about that in Monday's episode, Tuesday's episode. We talk about the shameful evangelical response from a lot of leaders who are refusing to celebrate what is so clearly a just ruling and overruling Roe v. Wave. So go listen to Monday and Tuesday's episode. We're not going to get into all of the details of that today. You guys are discouraged. You're disheartened. You're just exhausted because you constantly feel like we are on the defense. We are constantly having to refute propaganda, to rebut lies. And that's just how it is when you're not in the mainstream, when you don't have the cultural power. Conservatives don't. And this just also, it just reminds me how just kind of like delusional honestly a lot of people on the left are they they always think that they're the underdog like they always think that they are the little guy and they're fighting against this like system of power that's why they create this boogeyman of christian nationalist fascism as if progressivism doesn't dominate almost every single institution that we have from the white house to Congress, to academia, to public education, to Hollywood, to big tech, to major corporations, to the WHO and the UN and most of Europe, like progressivism dominates almost every single national and global power structure in the world. It's even dominating a huge portion of what calls itself the church. And yet progressivism, because its nature 
It's to dominate. Its nature is actually totalitarian. Its nature is dictatorial. I mean, you can just look at the history of communism and socialism to tell you that. It is always looking for conquest. It is actually, ironically, even though progressives call themselves anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, they are constantly... Um, they are constantly looking to conquer new entities, whether it be the church, whether it be the family, whether it be a school. They are not okay. Progressivism is not okay with living and letting live. They are not okay with tolerance. They are not okay with you just living how you want to live. That's why they're mad about the overruling of Roe v. Wade, because the overruling of Roe v. Wade just allows states to decide. And so the constituents in that state get to push their state legislators in one way or another. So that means in liberal states, abortion is going to be extremely accessible, unfortunately. But that is the thing that they say that they really care about, which is democracy. But they don't really want democracy. Progressivism is always authoritarian. It is always looking to infiltrate. It is always looking to infect. It is always looking to take over everything that used to be neutral, everything that used to be good, everything that used to be Christian, everything that used to be conservative, and then turn it into its conform it to its own image. That's what's that's what progressivism does. And so they're not happy that now some states simply have the freedom to be able to restrict or ban abortion because they want to impose their moral will on you. And they are willing, they are willing to use whatever means possible to do that, even if it is not democratic means, even if it's not honest. They are willing to use straight up propaganda. They are willing to lie. They are willing to deceive. They are willing to manipulate at whatever cost because progressivism believes that the ends always justify the means. Now, every single law, as we've talked about, is moral. Every law goes back to a particular worldview. There's no such thing as a neutral law. Someone said to me on Twitter that laws are based on facts, not beliefs. Absolutely not. Uh, A law against murder is based on the belief that it is wrong to murder. That's not a fact. That is a belief. And that belief happens to be rooted in this Judeo-Christian idea of the Imago Dei, that human beings are not just clumps of cells, they're not just balls of matter, but that we actually have meaning. We actually have value and we actually have purpose. Therefore, it is wrong to kill a person or assault a person or rape a person. And of course, we would include abort a person as well. It's just logically and morally um, consistent. And so... That is, and so it's it's not wrong for anyone on either side of the aisle to want to influence the law with their worldview. It's not wrong for a progressive to want to do that. It's not wrong for a Christian to want to do that. But we are told that Christians are the only ones who are not allowed to influence the law with their worldview. That is fascism. That is authoritarianism. That is Christian nationalism. That is totalitarian. But when secular progressives try to impose their pseudo-religion, which says that it's okay to kill a child and that we should be paying for gender transition for children. That's not a neutral view. Like that is a moral view. When they try to impose that on everyone else, when they say that we need to have drag queen story hour at the local library that is paid for by the local taxpayer, that kind of imposition of a particular moral worldview is apparently fine. But when Christians try to influence the public sphere with their worldview, oh no, that's scary. So you just need to see that myth for what it is. 
you should be totally unafraid and totally unabashed in trying to influence every sphere that you occupy with the love and the light and the truth of Christ. That doesn't mean forcing people to believe what you believe, but if we believe that God is the source of truth, God is the source of morality, God is love, then we have every right and actually every responsibility to infuse that light and truth in every sphere that we occupy. Everything is God's, whether we acknowledge it or not. And that is part of being salt and light. Engaged Christians who are engaged in politics and culture have been the biggest force for good in all of history, in all of the world. And it doesn't even come close. It doesn't even come close. It doesn't mean the people who profess Christianity have been perfect by any means or that there haven't been any serious mistakes or injustices that have been perpetrated. But Christians have been the greatest force of humanitarian good in the world for all of history. And again, it doesn't even come close. Let me pause and tell you about our friends at Good Ranchers. My One of my favorite days of the year is coming up, and that is July Fourth, I am one of the most patriotic people that you will ever meet. I still cry when we sing the national anthem, and I love celebrating July 4th. I love the colors. I love the clothes. I love the grilling out. The grilling out, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing, and that is because we have meat that comes from good ranchers. I love that on the 4th of July, I can trust that all of my meat is from American farms and ranchers that is beef, that is chicken, that is seafood, whatever fits your fancy when it comes to grilling out Good Ranchers has got it, and they are supporting American farms in the process. With my code, Allie, you get two free 18-ounce prime ribeyes. You could do a one-time purchase of a box of meat. You can also subscribe and get $25 off every box for the life of your subscription. It's an amazing product delivered right to your front door every four, six, or eight weeks. Makes your life so much easier. So take advantage of this deal while it lasts. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie or use my code Allie at checkout to get your two free 18-ounce ribeyes. Shop Good Ranchers today. It's American meat delivered. So all of this to say, remember that you are coming from that position. Remember what you are up against, that this is a spiritual battle. There's really not a nuanced conversation to be had about whether or not it's okay to kill an innocent human being. That's what it comes down to. Once I believe that's okay, our side does not. So once you've armed yourself with facts, listen to Monday and Tuesday's episode, just remind yourself, remind yourself that this is a spiritual battle. It's not right versus left. It truly is light versus darkness. Remind yourself of the evil of what abortion is when you're being emotionally manipulated and simply stand firm, stand firm. I've been so proud of you guys. I've been so proud of you. Those of you who have sent me screenshots of conversations that you guys have had with people who disagree with you, people in your life, that you have asked really good questions. You've asked them to cite their sources. You've asked them to define their terms. You've asked them how they came to the conclusion that they did. And you've gotten very predictable responses in a lot of cases. They just get flustered and they call you names or they shut down the conversation. But some of you have had productive conversations where you've actually been able to listen to one another and maybe you didn't change someone's mind in that moment, but you planted a seat and you were obedient and that's all you're called to do. Read Tactics by Greg Coco, by the way. But I've been really proud of you, how you've stood firm. One of you sent me such a wonderful message, and I love messages like this. Thank the Lord, by the grace of God, I get messages like this a lot. One of you said um, that you were pro-choice until 2018, and then you started listening to this podcast, and God used this podcast to change your mind on that, and you've 
very much kind of you've even though you've been pro-life yourself, you have um, not really said anything publicly about it, but now you feel the need to. So we just kind of talked a little bit about what that would look like and how to do that in a courageous way. And look, guys, I know that that's not easy when you have pro-abortion people in your life who are so ready, who, people who you thought you trusted and knew and you thought trusted and knew you and know your character and know that you're a kind and generous person and yet now are calling you names and calling you anti-woman just because you are against the slaughter of unborn children, that is not easy. I understand. So I don't want to minimize that, but I am proud of you for those of you who stood up anyway, for those of you who have been courageous, for those of you who the first time maybe you've reached out to your pro-life pregnancy center near you and you've said, how can I help? Those of you who have donated um, the money that you have, which is not easy when prices are really high right now and you've got to provide for your family and yet you trusted God with the resources that he's given you to try to provide for people who need even more. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your effort and your bravery, and I'm encouraging you to continue standing up and to continue telling the truth. Look, you're on the right side. I know it's easy to kind of waffle and to kind of wonder when it seems like you're the only one. You're the only one that's swimming upstream. You're the only one that has another opinion. Look, I remember a lot of you felt that way in summer of 2022, uh, summer of 2020. T-O-O. Also is what I'm trying to say. I remember you guys saying that um, in June too. And we were some of the only people over here that were questioning the popular narratives, that were questioning the secular definitions of social and racial justice, were questioning this narrative that every disparate outcome between white and non-white people is due to slavery and discrimination and Jim Crow and mass incarceration because those things are just factually untrue. We were some of the only people who were willing to push back against that. And even though we got a lot of vitriol for that, um, I think that it paid off because it encouraged people to see things that are true and it opened a lot of people's eyes. May God use this in the same way. Keep speaking truth, um, speak it in love, but don't caveat or compromise on it. It hurts, it's hard, I know, but it's right and therefore it's worth it. So let me read you a couple verses before I talk about this Chris Pratt story, which I think is interesting. Um, So let me read you one of my favorite passages And this is Ephesians 4. So let's start with verse 14. So that we may no longer, and just read, I could read the entire chapter for the entire context. Go read the chapter on your own. He's talking about sanctification. He's talking about maturing in the Lord. He's talking about building up the church and what growth in Christ looks like. This is Paul, God through Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. So Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Doesn't that sound like so many professing Christians today who are tossed to and fro by the waves of every cultural moment and every false teaching, just completely unable to discern what is true in light of scripture? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Wow, that is like everything we are seeing on Instagram right now. Rather, this is for the Christian, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are to grow up. We're to grow up. 
in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And that is building up the body of Christ. Your obedience in this matters. You're speaking the truth in love in this matters. Even if you feel like you're not convincing anyone, even if you feel like you're not persuasive, even if you feel like you're not eloquent and you don't have the right words and you're shaking even as you speak. And maybe you've compromised a few times in conversations in the past because you didn't know how to respond. Your courage that is coming from the Lord, the words that you are speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit, they matter. Matter, even if it is just in, in obedience to the Lord, that matters. Let me read you also this verse from Galatians. Some of you are probably familiar. And this is Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. A lot of us feel very weary right now. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I could go on a whole rant about that last part, especially to those who are household of faith, because I think the church misprioritizes. We're we're not prioritizing correctly who we are supposed to love and serve. First, you are supposed to love and serve the church, the body of Christ, then the outside world. I think we so often prioritize reaching to the outside world, that we're not even taking care of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. I mean, think about how you take care of your own physical family. Don't you care for your children and your spouse and your home before you care for a stranger's children? Of course, because if you didn't, if you actually like fed other kids, but you didn't feed your own kids, like that would make you a really bad parent. That would make you a bad steward of what the Lord has given to you. And so in the same way, the church really is supposed to be primarily, primarily focused on taking care of one another. I'm not exclusively, but primarily. And so this is part of us doing good. It is speaking the truth in love. As that Ephesians 4 passage discussed, it is doing good to these women and these children who are in crisis. I mean, just look at each side of this. On one side, you have people firebombing pro-life pregnancy resource centers who are simply giving free services and free supplies and free counseling and, and, and love to these women who are pregnant and they're worried and they're scared. They're helping the father. They're helping the mother. They're helping in so many different kinds of ways that these finger-wagging evangelicals and progressives say, we need to do more for moms. As I said yesterday, you need to do more for moms. Don't assume that we are not doing enough for moms. You need to do more for moms. Do not chide us, the pro-lifers, that we need to be doing more when clearly you have no idea what's been done. Get off your couch, go outside and see what you can do before telling the rest of us that we need to do things that, by the way, we are already doing. Go to your local pro-life pregnancy center take some money out of your wallet and help the cause that has been being fought by pro-lifers for the past 50 years and really has been fought by the church for the past 2,000 years. That's what the church has always done. We've been a refuge for women, for children, for the vulnerable, for the truly actually marginalized. We've been a refuge of truth. We've been a refuge of safety. That doesn't mean that we've been perfect because we are still a human institution that fails and that sins, unfortunately. But the church at her best, the power of the Holy Spirit, has been a refuge of safety and protection. That's who we are for preborn babies. That's who we are for women and children. And so do not grow weary of doing that good. All right. I just wanted to make sure that you're encouraged, that you are edified, that you're built up, that you are standing firm in this. All right. It is not you. It's not your words. It's not your strength. It's not your energy that is meant to sustain you. 
It is the Lord's and his is never ending. It is unconditional. Remember my book? You're not enough and that's okay. That's really good news because you are not sufficient to be your own strength, to be your own love, to be your own fulfillment. And you are also not sufficient to be that for anyone else. The Lord is though, like he is the cup that overflows. He is the well that never runs dry. He is the living water, living water. He is the bread of life. And so if you are thirsty and you are hungry for the satisfaction and for energy, and you just feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you feel feel burdened by all the craziness and the chaos in our culture right now, go to the Lord for your refreshment and he will sustain you for as long as he has decided sovereignly that you are on this earth. He has written every single one of your days before any of them came to be, as Psalm 139 tells us, and he's got you. So keep going. Be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. I think this is, yeah, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Another very pertinent verse. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. There are a lot of people who are simply not reasonable right now. Reasonable is a characteristic of a Christian. That's also something that James 4, I believe, tells us. I'm okay with coming up with the with the book and the chapter. I'm not always good at remembering the specific verse. But anyway, reasonableness, wisdom, love, truth, clarity, um, strength, consistency, all of that comes from the Lord and you have it in spades if you are in Christ. All right. Speaking of Christianity and speaking of religion, let us talk about this interesting Chris Pratt interview that I, I think reminds us uh, of a lot of things that are really true and reminds us also of who we are supposed to look to um, as examples. But first, let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Crowd Health. If you could have your health care put back in your own hands instead of being sold to the highest bidder, would you do it? And by the highest bidder, I mean like politicians, big pharma, health insurance companies that make enormous profits at the expense of your health. That is why Crowd Health exists. It's not health insurance, but you can see any doctor that you want by just paying the first $500. And then after that, you submit any bills that you have and the crowd health community takes care of the rest. So no doctor networks, no huge premiums or deductibles. Best of all, no surprises. This is a game changer in the community healthcare industry, especially if you're a small business owner. You got to take care of those medical expenses, but it can be really difficult to get health insurance. It's so expensive. So all you have to do is just pay one low monthly total. It's less than $200 a month for most people. Stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars. Go to joincrowdhealth.com now. Experience freedom from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 a month. Amazing deal. That's almost 50% off the normal price and a lot less than a high deductible healthcare plan. Just go to joincrowdhealth.com, use promo code Allie at sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code Allie. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different, awesome way of paying for healthcare. Term and conditions may apply. All right, let's talk about Chris Pratt, Andy Dwyer. If you are a Parks and Rec fan. He is very different than what he was when he was Andy Dwyer. He like started working out and stuff and everything just changed. But he has also been someone that a lot of conservatives and I think Christians admire, not because necessarily he has been like super 
theological or super out front constantly with like sharing the gospel or anything like that. But one, because the left attacks him saying that he is like anti-LGBTQ or goes to like an anti-LGBTQ church and um, El- uh, Ellen Elliot Page a couple of years ago said on some talk show that Chris Pratt goes to like an L- anti-LGBTQ church or something like that. I don't know. And so because the left attacked him, I think a lot of conservatives defend him. But he also seems not super woke. He is a big supporter of the police. He's a big supporter of the military. I would be surprised if he were super on board with a bunch of like left wing ideology on a variety of things. And he has been outspoken a few times about Christianity, about believing in God. And he gave this speech at the MTV Movie and TV Awards a few years ago. He was a recipient of a Generation Award and He said something along the lines of God is real. God loves you. He wants the best for you. And so and that's way different than what a lot of celebrities say. They make it all about themselves. They make it about their like pet political issue, whatever it is. And he made it about God. And that was really cool. That's really different. He seems kind of like a solid person, especially in the crazy world of Hollywood. He's married to Katherine Schwarzenegger. They have two girls together, two babies together. And then also um, he was married, I think, to Anna Ferris, and they have a little boy together. Anyway, so I don't know. He just seemed like different and, and more down to earth. And now he has this men's health interview that I think came out yesterday. And he's saying all the cool things to make sure the anti-religious people in Hollywood and on the left know that he's a cool guy. He's not like those crazy fundamentalist Christians, man. No, he's cooler than that. So he says this. He says this to Men's Health. Maybe it was hubris for me to stand up on the stage. He's talking about that MTV speech that he gave, which was like totally innocuous it wasn't even anything super pointed about the bible just god in general is real and loves you and then he said maybe it was hubris about that speech for me to stand up on the stage and say things that i said i'm not sure i touched anybody like why would you even say that he says he offers and he gets why people were put off this is okay And he uses the F word too, which means he's really cool. He says, religion has been oppressive as F for a long time. He says, as we walk over a tiny footbridge, the words spilling out in an emotional tidal wave. I didn't know, Chris Pratt says, that I would kind of become the face of religion when really I'm not a religious person. I think there's a distinction between being religious, adhering to the customs created by man, oftentimes appropriating the all reserve for who I believe is a very real God, and using it to control people, to take money from people, to abuse children, to steal land interesting to justify hatred whatever it is the evil that's in the heart of every single man has glommed onto the back of religion and come along for the ride so not everything he's saying is incorrect of course people have used religion uh, a false version of christianity to justify all kinds of atrocities and injustices it can be a way to control people it can be a way to cover up abuse so I am not trying to minimize what he's saying there, but to me, especially if you read the entirety of this interview, it is very obvious that he is trying to detach himself from any kind of religious affiliation, and he's doing what a lot of people do. He is saying, basically, that it's not religion, it's relationship, or it's not religion, it's just some kind of vague form of spirituality. He says he doesn't go to Hillsong Church, that he sometimes is in, attends Zoe Church, which I don't know a whole lot about that. 
guess it's in California, and um, that he also attends Catholic Church with his wife because the Schwarzenegger family is Catholic. So he is doing what a lot of people do when they've been slammed for being Christian, when they've been slammed for being a conservative Christian, he's trying to detach himself from that and show, no, I'm just a cool guy. I don't care. Live and let live. I'm just a, I'm just a, uh, a tolerant guy, which I'm sure, you know, at this point he really does believe. But this to me was very obviously like a defense against the criticism that he's gotten from people that maybe he believes in something that is for the marriage between a man and a woman. And it's just a cop out to me. To me, it shows that like he really wants people's approval. You can see that in the rest of the interview. Um, You can see that he really cares about the people who have attacked him. Like he really cares about people thinking that he is religious when apparently he's not. And I do take issue with this kind of separation of religion and relationship. I take issue with people saying that religion in itself is oppressive. Religion in itself is bad. I Take issue with people saying, he didn't say this, but when people say that, um, when people say that, well, the Pharisees were religious and religion is bad. No, the Pharisees weren't bad because they were religious. The Pharisees were bad because they had a pretense of religiosity. Their um, outward appearance was religious, but really their hearts were stone. They were whitewashed tombs, as Jesus said. So in the side, on the inside, they were decaying. On the outside, they looked nice. So they had the appearance of obeying the law, but they weren't obeying the law from their heart. They added all kinds of rules and regulations that weren't actually inspired by God or created by God in order to make it more difficult for people who are not Pharisees to be seen as truly righteous. It was actually because they weren't truly religious enough. They were not truly pious enough. They were not truly holy enough because their hearts were far from God. They worshiped the God of self rather than the God of scripture. It wasn't that they were so obedient that Jesus said they were bad. It was because they weren't truly obedient that Jesus said they were bad. So this condemnation of religion is a very common talking point, but I just don't think it's biblically accurate. So let me read you this passage from James. James one twenty seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so nowhere in scripture do you see this idea that religion is bad. It's religion, not relationship. Actually, it's both. Yes, by grace through faith, we get relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ who reconciled us, who made us from dead in our sin to alive in Christ. We get relationship and communion with the Father. Yes and amen. But also it is a religion in that there are things that inspired by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to do. And um, they, it is about worship. It is about also Um, not as a matter of salvation, but as a matter of sanctification and obedience to the Lord, it is a matter of works also. It is a matter of action inspired by the Holy Spirit that indwells us. So religion in itself isn't bad. I really don't like when people use that as a cop-out to try to make themselves seem, oh, I'm cooler than I am. I don't really care what people do. Christianity is a relationship, but it is also a religion. And who cares? Yeah, 
people are going to not like that. People are always going to call you. If you have like any kind of morality that comes from the Bible, people are going to call you legalistic. People are going to call you oppressive. People are going to call you hateful. People are going to call you a bigot. Until you believe their progressive religion in totality, they are going to assume that you are just not a good person. Who cares? Don't defend yourself against them. I think Chris Pratt is super talented. I still appreciate that he is not just like a typical woke celebrity that is going to repeat everything that they do about the police or about the military or about whatever cultural issue is going on. See, conservatives and progressives are so different. The conservatives just want the people who are playing sports or on their movies to be neutral. We don't want them to make really any political statement. I mean, awesome if he made us some kind of pro-life statement. I think that's great. But progressives really expect their celebrities to be on their uh, political side and be so outward about that. And when they're not, they're going to call them bigots. And so just uh, once again, a difference between conservatism and progressivism. But I would like for him to stand firm. Gosh, don't apologize for that MTV speech or not just apologize, but don't, you know, walk it back and, and, and caveat it. It's true. I mean, God is real. He does care. That is a message that you should absolutely be conveying. So I kind of found this strange and quite frankly, a little disappointing, even though I think that he is a talented and probably cool guy. All right. I just kind of wanted to take a break. I wanted to take a break from the um, the craziness of everything that's going on. So I hope you enjoyed that. I've got a couple more things to say. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. So do not spend your summer listening to how bored your kids might be. You want to make sure that they are spending their time when they're inside in a way that's productive and that's constructive. And that is why you need Annie's Kit Club. So if they're looking to come in from the heat, but you don't just want to sit them in front of the television, then you need to make sure that they're doing a craft. They've got a woodworking kit. They've got a jewelry making kit, whatever it is, a STEM project that comes from Annie's Kit Clubs right to your front door once a month. They offer you these awesome craft projects and all of the supplies and instructions that you need for your kid to complete them. They offer tons of memberships for several different hobbies. All subscriptions are month to month. You can cancel at any time. Just go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first month for 75% off. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off your first month. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. All right. So you've heard me say that I'm super excited about tomorrow's episode. And it was good that we took like a little midweek break from like super heavy stuff because tomorrow is going to be a very big conversation with someone named Genevieve Gluck. She is a feminist journalist who has done so much work exposing the underneath of the money making industry of gender transition and the transgender ideology and the history of it and the roots of it. And I just find her work fascinating. I have been begging her to come on the show for like several months now because I know you guys are going to benefit so much from it. And so I'm super excited for you to listen to this conversation. It might be a two-part conversation depending on how long it goes. I anticipate that it's going to be a long conversation because I'm going to have so many questions and so many different things to dig into. But make sure you tune into it. It's going to be one that not only you want to listen to right away, but that you want to share with people. These are the kinds of conversations I find that really can change people's minds. One, because she's coming from a different perspective than me. She's progressive in a lot of ways. She is a feminist. I'm sure that she is probably probably pro-choice. I don't want to put that in her mouth, but she probably is. Um, And so we disagree on a lot of things. And therefore, people on the other side of the aisle may be more willing to listen to her. And also what she is going to say is just so 
um, unavoidably insane that it's really hard for people to kind of not see what is really going on here when you hear uh, the results of her investigation. So make sure you tune in to tomorrow's episode. Also, as always, as you guys do, thank you so much for this. But if you subscribe to YouTube, that would be great. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to the podcast, that would be great. Make sure you check out all the awesome new merch that we have. That would be great. Thanks for following along this week. Just a reminder, you're doing a good job in standing firm in all of this. And the Lord absolutely will sustain you. And we are in this together. I know a lot of you guys feel alone. Um, sometimes. And thankfully, you at the very least have a relatable community. You have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who listen to this show who are like-minded with you. And so at least be comforted by that. And you know what? We're thinking, I'm thinking of finding a way to kind of like bring us together so you can have some real life community with a relatable family as well. All right. That's all we have time for today. We will be back here tomorrow.